Today, we celebrate a really important day in the life of the church, Pentecost Sunday. We look back to that time when the Holy Spirit came and filled those first disciples with power for the ministry that Jesus had given them. Why is this such an important event? Well, Don Williams puts it this way. He says, it's presumptuous to think that we can do what Jesus did without his power. Without this power, our faith is moralistic, a list of rules, or our faith is stoic. We just hang on in there until Jesus comes again. Following rules, hanging on in there. They both sound like really dreary options to me. Jesus promises us so much more. And as we read about Pentecost, I hope this is a great start to our new series about the Holy Spirit. We've called it Where the Spirit Blows. The Spirit certainly blows in our second reading today, but we're going to start by reading an account of Jesus appearing to his disciples after his resurrection. You'll find this in the first chapter of the book of Acts, and we're going to start reading at verse four. Do read along with me. On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells them they will receive the Holy Spirit and this will bring power. And that's what we're going to learn more about today. And the first thing that I notice about um, this power is that God's intention is that the disciples, and that includes you and me, that we are fruitful. This is power with a purpose. And verse eight, that last verse we just read is pretty much a summary of the whole book of Acts, which tells us about the growth of the church throughout the then known world. They are commanded to be his witnesses, told to go and tell everybody about Jesus. Now, I think the disciples do sense the importance of this moment, but they don't quite get it, do they? They don't quite grasp it. If you look at verse six, um, they, they think that this kingdom that Jesus is bringing in is a, is a new age where the Roman oppressors get defeated. They're still rather focused on that. But Jesus in Luke 4 spoke about a kingdom that is very different, a kingdom that brings good news for the poor, freedom, healing. And what we see in this book of Acts is that coming into being. Anyway, meantime, after the hearing this instruction, the disciples then wait 10 days for this promise to be fulfilled. And we're going to read about that fulfillment now at the beginning of the second chapter of Acts. So starting to read at verse one of chapter two. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 
Now, if I continued reading this passage, we would learn more about the visitors who were in Jerusalem at that time. Most of those visitors would have been Greek speaking. Some would have spoken um, different dialects of Aramaic. What we believe we know about the disciples is that they would have spoken with a strong dialect because they came from Galilee and people might have found them quite difficult to understand. So what you see here in verse four, this speaking of other tongues is the power of the Holy Spirit enabling the preaching of the gospel. Power with a purpose, which is what I was just saying. But the transformation that the disciples undergo is not just their speech. If we read on, we see um, that their teaching is accompanied by signs and wonders such as healings. The disciples talk about Jesus, but they also do what he does. I love the introduction to this book of Acts in the very first verse. The, the author is Luke and he refers back in the first verse to his previous writings, what we know as the Gospel of, of Luke. And he refers back to that and he says, in that first book, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. So this book, Acts, or Acts of the Apostles, which is a full title sometimes given to it, is what happens next. What Jesus continues to do, what he continues to teach by the power of the Spirit in the lives of the apostles. We will read about um, Stephen and Philip and Paul and Peter and many others who are filled with the Spirit and working miracles and preaching the good news about Jesus Christ. So we can see that this is a power that has brought great transformation and equipping. And let's not underestimate the extent of this transformation that the Holy Spirit has brought about in these disciples. Simon Ponsonby, who's an Anglican vicar and a great friend of the vineyard, he wrote a book called God Inside Out. It's a book about the Holy Spirit. It's a good read. He says this about the disciples. What is self-evident is that before they received the Spirit, they found it difficult to do easy things like acknowledge Christ. You might remember Peter not even being able to bring himself to say that he knew Jesus. Whereas after they received the Holy Spirit, they found it easy to do difficult things like miracles or even facing martyrdom. The disciples go on to see people set free from oppression of all kinds, from sickness, freedom from demonic powers. We see God's kingdom coming and his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. It's what Jesus taught us to pray for, isn't it? I wonder, does this match your experience? Or when you hear about these early believers, do they often seem to be more effective followers of Jesus than we are? If so, I think it's largely due to their experience of the reality of the Spirit's presence. The early church grew really fast. But do you know the fastest growing part of the church since then? It's the very aptly named 
Pentecostal church movement. Why? Because it was spirit-led. The church that we're part of now owes so much to that movement. We enjoy that same spirit-given power. If you were part of our recent series on hearing from God, you'll remember, I hope, that we're promised we will prophesy. We will receive visions and dreams. We will minister in signs and wonders. If you long for transformation and equipping like these disciples had, then don't hesitate to ask for it. There will be ample opportunity to do that later on. Because my third point about this power is that it is essential. You know, Jesus needed the Spirit. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit. And we read about that um, in the account of his baptism. And all the marvellous and the miraculous followed on from that. So how much more do we need him? Simon Ponsonby again, he is moved to point out that the commands of God and the demands of the Christian life can never be met through human effort. This power is essential. And it's my experience that the Holy Spirit doesn't simply turn up to give us a show of power now and then, but rather he is a constant companion guiding and empowering me to lead the Christian life. We need him because we live in difficult times. Christ came and inaugurated his kingdom and we wait for him to come again when we know we will enjoy his kingdom in all its fullness. Meantime, we live in this in-between time and it can be a real struggle. It's the spirit who empowers us now to live the life of that future kingdom. We get to see that kingdom breaking into people's lives. The Holy Spirit enables us to live radical lives, to lead lives that are beyond our human expectation. Let's go back to what I quoted at the beginning. This was from Don Williams. I didn't tell you much about him. He's actually one of the older, wise people in the vineyard. He has taught a lot on the kingdom of God and it's worth teach, um, catching that teaching if you can. He said this, it is presumptuous to think that we can do what Jesus did without his power. Let's notice what Jesus didn't say to his disciples at this crucial point. He didn't say, OK, guys, we've had three years together. Now you're good to go. You've heard the teaching. You've seen me demonstrate how to do the stuff. You've gone off without me on a ministry trip and you did pretty well. He doesn't say, you'll be fine now. All those things were important, of course, in training them, developing them, but they needed the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, wait, wait for the Holy Spirit. And I've learned, sometimes quite painfully, that my faith needs to rest on God's power, not on my human strength or abilities not on any gifts I might have, or skills, or knowledge such as it is. I think it can be easy to get a little bit carried away. Maybe you have experienced this. You, you feel called to a particular ministry. Maybe you've joined a team here. You're befriending your neighbours. You're leading a small group. 
you're volunteering in our compassion ministry, perhaps, and you know God has given you a particular gift, maybe a very specific call on your life, and you have the energy and you have the enthusiasm, perhaps you've been on a training course, or you've been mentored in this role by somebody who's more experienced. Then we don't see all the results and the breakthroughs that we'd hoped for. Maybe we end up feeling tired and even burned out. Is it that we're sometimes presumptuous, as Don Williams puts it, to think that we can do what Jesus did without his power? That's why Jesus tells them, and us, to wait for the power. The disciples were obedient to that. They were praying and waiting for 10 days. And you know, waiting is hard. The Brits are known as patient queuing people. But waiting is hard. I learned this a couple of weeks ago when uh, on a recent journey, a car journey home from Derbyshire, they closed the M40. And uh, my sat-nav took me off on a great countryside trip to avoid the, the closure. I was desperate by the time I got back on the M40, desperate to stop at the services. Great, set off again. Thought, this is it, I'm on the home run now. And just 15 minutes down the road, the road was closed again. There were only nine or 10 cars in front of me. I was so close to getting through, but we all started to wait. And you know what it's like in that situation? You're not sure how long you're going to be there. So at first you keep the engine running and then after a while you think, mm, maybe we should switch the engines off and gradually you see that happening all around you. And then do you know a woman passenger from a car nearby got out the car and walked down the carriageway to see what was going on. I think I overheard her when she came back say to the driver, there was going to be a 25 minute wait. And it was getting warm in the car with the engine off. It was unpleasant. Then finally, all the lights start coming on in the cars in front and we think, right, we're on our way. I looked at the clock in my car. And I realised we'd only been sat there for 10 minutes. It felt like an eternity. We don't like waiting for things. We find it difficult to do what Jesus tells the disciples to do here. He promises us the Holy Spirit, but we need to wait. We don't set the timetable. We're told that the Holy Spirit is sovereign. John 3 verse 8 says this, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. If Jesus said, wait for the power, then we need to watch out that we don't get ahead of him. So practically, what does this look like for us in church, in our small groups and outside of church, in your workplace, in your street, amongst your neighbours? We know that God is always about his work. We can ask him to send the Holy Spirit and wait to see what he wants to do. So first, on a practical note, I just urge us to keep our eyes open and look for where the power is. Here in this passage, the Holy Spirit is visible and audible. We read about a roaring wind and tongues of fire. Now, I haven't personally seen or heard exactly those phenomena, 
But we do see the Holy Spirit in action. People sometimes shake or sway. Personally, I begin to feel quite a heaviness in my body and I, it, I find it difficult to stand up straight. That would be visible to other people looking at me. Maybe people's eyelids flutter as they're engaging with what the Spirit's doing. We can spot where God is at work and we can get involved and work alongside him. That's what it's all about. It's about us partnering with God to bring the kingdom, to bring that freedom, healing. Maybe offering in that instance to pray for people where we see something happening. And then secondly, when we do pray for people, then I, I would suggest we should pray for the Holy Spirit and then wait. Don't jump in and pray for the condition that they have mentioned they want prayer for. Somebody might say they've got head pain and they'd like prayer for that. I'm really tempted to, to go, great, we know what we're doing here. I've got this one, God, just leave it with me and immediately pray for that pain to go. But maybe if I wait, the Holy Spirit will reveal more. What's causing this pain in the head? Maybe he wants me to pray about anxiety. Perhaps a broken relationship is causing physical symptoms. We wait for the Holy Spirit to reveal what's going on and to empower our prayers. Finally, my prayer is for all of us that when we wait for the power of the Holy Spirit, that ministry that currently seems impossible to you becomes possible. The difficult becomes easy. I hope that we all learn not to be presumptuous about what we can do in our own strength, rather that with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can keep going when we're weary or discouraged. We read today that the disciples had a powerful personal experience that transformed them and made them effective in being the people of the good news. We want to recapture that reality, don't we? Let's reject those dreary options and all of us hunger and thirst for the life and power of the Spirit. A 20th century preacher and doctor called Martin Lloyd-Jones left as many of his sermons behind. And this is something he said about the Holy Spirit's power. And I'd like to end with this. Seek it until you have it. Be content with nothing less. Seek this power. Expect this power. Yearn for this power. And when it comes, yield to him. <laughs>